1: You woke up this morning with three things. They'll be with you every moment that this day brings, every circumstance that currently exists or will exist. And when you and I close our eyes tonight, those three things will still remain. God's grace, God's mercy, and above all else, God's peace. God's grace, God's mercy, and God's peace. The sermon is entitled Living Well, and the text is from Paul's second letter to Timothy. More than one theologian believing that this section which he delivers is but two weeks before he dies. 2 Timothy 4, verse 6. I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. What was a drink offering? It was wine that was poured at the base of the altar in the synagogues. And the Apostle Paul is saying, my blood is about to be poured out because his blood was poured out for me. I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. The time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight for my Lord. I have finished the race I began for him. And through it all, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, the Apostle, but to everyone who longs for his appearing. It was January 2011. It was just before his team left the locker room to play for the National Championship College Football. He had the men seated. He had them stand. He had them leave the room. And the last words they heard from his lips were, Gentlemen, how do you want to be remembered? It must have worked, his question, because before that evening was over, the Auburn Tigers had defeated the Oregon Ducks, and the national championship was theirs. I'm always cognizant at this time of the year that in two or three weeks, many of our children will head off to college. Many of them will head off to high school. Very cognizant of that. How do you want to be remembered? It's not a bad question. When your four years of high school are over, how do you want to be remembered? When your basketball career, when your soccer career, when your marching band career, when your debate team career is over, how do you want to be remembered? When your years at Trinity School, when your years at Grissom Junior High, at Bremen, at Lincoln Way, at Stagg, at Tinley Park High School, at Oak Forest High School, at Moraine Valley, at NIU, at ISU. When your years are over, how do you want to be remembered? When your fraternity brothers bid you adieu, when your sorority sisters do the same, how do you want to be remembered? When you walk out of Panduit for the last time, Mayor Brown Platt, Coopers, Andrew Corporation, when you walk out for the last time how do you want to be remembered you're a nurse at christ hospital you're a doctor you're a servant at a restaurant when your time at the health club is over the organization the board the committee the council the choirs the schools the churches that you belong to when your days are over how do you want to be remembered when you leave that neighborhood and go to a retirement center how do you want to be remembered when you leave that apartment complex because you bought a house how do you want to be remembered in that building when your son or daughter has married you into another family how do you want to be remembered by that family When your time is done at a school, at a place, at a town, at a commuter train, at a neighborhood, at a job, this planet Earth, some small group you belong to, how do you want to be remembered? What words do you want people to use to summarize you? Every Memorial Day for 28 years, Connie and I would get in the car we would drive exactly two hours down to Champaign-Urbana when the boys were young and they came along with us. On Memorial Day itself, we would cut flowers and we would head to two cemeteries. The close one was Mayview, the one 40 miles out into the cornfields, Newman Cemetery, where her father is buried. I remember Newman's Cemetery, way out in the middle of the cornfields. When you came to that cemetery, with nothing else around. You were startled by what you saw. There was a stone fence very large that surrounded that entire cemetery. And when you looked at those stones, you did not recognize any of them. Some millionaire in that tiny, tiny little town had shipped those stones over from England so that when he was buried in that cemetery, he had a resplendent place to rest. I walked through that cemetery many, many times and I looked at headstones. Familiar phrases on many of them. Loving father, beloved mother, darling son, rest in peace, asleep in Jesus. Well, there was one headstone that I saw some 25 years ago. I'd never forgotten it. It had the man's name. It had his date of birth. It had his date of death. And then there was a five-word statement that summed up that man's entire life. And it said this, A man of unquestioned kindness. I often wondered who had chosen that for him. His wife, son, daughter, colleague, a man of unquestioned kindness. Just five words, nothing more, nothing less. The stages of your life are the places you've been. The schools, the colleges, the clubs, the organizations, the workplaces, the neighborhoods. When your life on the planet is done, how will you be remembered? Here is Paul's answer to the question. He is writing from a prison cell in Rome. He has the certain knowledge that he will die, he will be executed. Because of his faith in Jesus, he has escaped death times beyond number. But he knows that this time, he will be executed. He looks back at his journey with Christ, and then he looks forward to what will happen after he dies. He wrote his own epitaph, far too long to put on a headstone. I am being poured out like a drink offering. The time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Gonna stop there for a moment. I have kept the faith. Seems like simple words. I have kept the faith. He has every reason in the world to not have kept the faith. He has every Reason in the world to not have kept the faith. You look at Philippians 4, he says, I know what it is to have everything. And I know what it is to have nothing. I can do all things through Christ to give me strength. When did he have everything? When he finished number one in that law class under Gamaliel. That's when he had Everything. Wonder how big his house was. Wonder how much money he made. Wonder how fancy his chariot was. When he became a Christian on the road to Damascus, all of a sudden he went from having everything to having nothing. St. Paul could have said, man, I have made a bad choice here. Before I became a Christian, Everyone worshipped the ground and walked on. But since I've become a Christian, the suffering that has come against me has been enormous. Second Corinthians 11, he says this No one is a greater servant of Christ than I. I have worked harder than anyone for Jesus. I have been in prison more frequently than anyone. I have been flogged more severely than anyone. I've been exposed to death over and over again. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times shipwrecked. And the list goes on and on and on. Ten verses that describes his suffering. And yet he says, I have kept the faith. When my friends told me how foolish I was. When my parents deserted me because I became a Christian. When the Judaizers wanted me dead because I would not say what they wanted me to say with regards to circumcision. I never doubted for a moment who I was serving, what cause I was serving. I kept the faith. Renounce your faith, we'll save your life. I kept the faith. His name was Peter, work colleague of my son Joshua. Joshua came up to Joshua this past week, said to him, You're a preacher's kid. Can you tell me why God allowed that 29-year-old woman driving to vacation Bible school to lose her life, her baby's life, and three children? Can you explain that to me, Joshua? You're a preacher's kid, I was asked that question four or five times this week. A couple of people at L.A. Fitness, knowing I'm a minister, headed straight toward me when I walked into the gym. Can you tell me why one of them said, your God would allow such a catastrophe? Joshua answered wisely, said to the man, Peter, He said, if I lived a thousand years, I could never give you an answer to that question. Nor could anyone else on this earth. Then he said to Peter, you understand, Peter, that 95% of those who say they don't believe in God, they don't believe in God because of an accident like that, because God allowing suffering on this earth. And then he said, Peter, you forget that my brother died of a brain tumor, 27 years of age. He was a minister. My stepfather-in-law, Stan, when he's eight years of age, his mom and dad and his two siblings jump in their old car. They head 300 miles away for a family reunion. That morning he gets sick. He comes down with the flu. They tell him you're going to stay with your aunt and uncle. And later that day, his mom and dad and his two siblings killed in a car accident. He's eight years of age. Mom and dad and brothers, sisters, all gone. One fell swoop. He gets married. First wife dies, 39 years of age, cancer. Second wife dies, 20 years, diabetes, blind, amputated legs. Third wife, Connie's mom, dementia these last four years. And yet, if you know Stan, the faith that he has is extraordinary. I have kept the faith. I have seen my colleagues put to death. I have gone through everything I describe. I have kept the faith. The children saying, well, earth has no sorrow that heaven cannot heal. I can't even go. There are some of our members. Rachel, my daughter-in-law, her best friend, her husband, works with a gentleman who lost his entire family. I can't even go there, not for a moment. I can't imagine him walking home after five days in the hospital and entering that home. I only pray that his church, his friends surround him, and that God himself can do only what God can do, and that is take a heart so enormously broken and provide a peace and a healing that we could never begin to understand. Howard Hendricks, he is a professor at the famous Dallas Theological Seminary. He concluded that though there are 500, 600 stories in the Bible, there are only 100 detailed biographies. And he said something startling. He said, when I study the 100 detailed biographies in the Bible... I come to realize that two-thirds of the men and women, they ended poorly. They either were caught in sexual immorality, they drifted away from the faith, or they ended their life in a condition removed from God. Not the apostle. He finished well the race, the marathon, the hills and valleys of this thing called life. He finished well. John Wesley was asked to explain the spiritual strength and the tenacious faith of the early Methodist settlers. And John Wesley said, I quote him, Our people die well, and they cannot die well unless they've lived well. And they cannot live well unless they have lived with eyes and hearts and minds and souls focused on God and on his son, Jesus Christ. You cannot live well unless you're focused on him. Live well. I'm not talking about winning Super Bowls or World Series. Not talking about getting a thirty-two on your ACT test in your junior year of high school. I'm not talking about having to decide whether the scholarship should be at Northwestern or Harvard. Not talking about how much money you make. Not talking about marrying the hottest guy or the prettiest girl. Talking about him the guy on the cross talking about being all wrapped up in him. I talked to him again this past week. He heads off for his second year at that fraternity. He said, Pastor 18 joined that Bible study this past year. My goal is for another 10. He said, during this summer I've had five of them keep in close contact with me. Asking questions about the faith. When he is 80 years of age and he wonders why God sent him to that college, he will know the answer. Locker rooms at Sandberg High School. Hallways at Tinley Park High School. English class at Chris- Chicago Christian High School. Live well for him. Marissa, new nurse at Christ Hospital, live well for him. Wherever you are, wherever God has placed you, live well for him. Closing words, how do you live well for him? Galatians 5.22 When I die what will people say? When my time here is done, what will people say? How do you live well? Was Paul Strand loving? Was there joy? Was there peace? Was he patient in his dealing with others? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, Was he good to others? Was he faithful to God, his family name, and himself? How do you live well? High school, commuter trains, workplace. how do you live well? Family you're married into, how do you live well? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Simon Peter, how do you live well? First Peter four eight love each other deeply. Love covers a multitude of wrongs. Peter, how do you live well? First Peter four ten. Use whatever gift God has given you. In that high school, in that college, use whatever gift God has given you to faithfully administer God's grace to other people in its various forms. Jesus, how do you live well? Matthew five sixteen. Let the light I put in you, let your light so shine be other, before other people that they may see your kindness and your goodness and give thanks to God that you are put in their life even as you give thanks to God when some angel comes into your life. Live well next week I conclude this message on 2nd Timothy 4 whatever age you are whatever marital state you are in whatever your income wherever God has placed you live well for him Eight years ago, training camp, Devin Hester, they asked him one question, and his answer was this, I do not live my life to run back punts, and I do not live my life to catch passes for the Chicago Bears. I live my life for him. Bravo. In our Lord's powerful name, amen. Would you rise as we pray? So, Lord, if we say it when we wake up, this is a day that God has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. It means that there is no sorrow that will come today that heaven cannot cure. And it also means that if this is a day that God has given me, I will live for him. Our job is what we do for ourselves. Our life is what we do for him. This is a day that God has made. This is the day that God has given me. I will live for him. May it be so in our Savior's name.